0: welcome to my Camino the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins and it's great to have your company. A very special shout out to my new Patreon sponsors, Hella and Richard. Thank you so much for your kindness. You can sponsor the podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. This is a weekly discussion about El Camino de Santiago, a spider's web of pilgrimages across Europe. Pilgrims walk for a range of reasons, for adventure, for renewal. Maybe they simply want to do something that's going to get them exercising and enjoying the great outdoors. Maybe they're motivated by the chance to savour the slow tourism of walking through regions, cities, towns and villages one step at a time. Maybe it's the chance to sample the culture of another country by walking and talking, sharing and caring. My big brother turned 60 this week. He's a lawyer. I'm very proud of him, actually. We were saying that the years have flown by. He and I played sport together and we played music together. And it's funny, there are memories that only he and I share. And again, it's time that brings those memories to us while also sometimes, unfortunately, taking memories away. There's nothing quite like a memory shared nothing quite like a moment shared a moment in time the entrepreneur and motivational speaker michael altshuler said the bad news is time flies the good news is you're the pilot so many are returning to el camino this year to create memories to create a moment in time to slowly experience the joys of pilgrimage to join with other pilgrims from around the world on a journey of a lifetime how lucky you and i are to have this pilgrimage in our lives well a few weeks back i received an email from the adventurer and writer julia goodfellow smith julia has a new book coming out and also provides advice for pilgrims heading to el camino we were lucky enough to be able to spend a little time catching up Julia Goodfellow-Smith is on the line from South Wales. Welcome, Pilgrim.
1: Thank you very much, Dan. It's lovely to have an opportunity to talk to you.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've really been looking forward to this chat because you sent through uh, some some planning documents and some, a PDF that we're going to share with people about planning your Camino. I've often joked here about spreadsheet pilgrims, and I know that I met a pilgrim on the weekend, Russell, who's just about to walk the Camino. And he was laughing and saying, oh, you know, everybody's a spreadsheet pilgrim now, Dan, and laughing about it. So let's go back a bit first, though. How did the Camino come into your life, Julia?
1: It came into my life a few years ago, actually. I made a new friend, uh, Hazel. And it was about maybe seven years ago, shortly after I met her and we became friends, she disappeared for five weeks. Mm -hmm. And I I asked her what she was doing. And she said, I'm going off to, to walk the Camino. I think I'd probably heard of the Camino before then, but it hadn't really touched on my life. It was the first time I'd ever met anybody who'd gone for a a walk that lasted five whole weeks. And it was the first time that I met a woman who would do something like that on their own as well. And she came back after that glowing. She loved it. She wanted to go again at some point. And that point uh, got uh, moved into the future a few times around the COVID pandemic. And then last year, she had the opportunity to go again, funnily enough, with an Australian friend of hers. And a trip that I was booked on fell through and she said to me, Julia, would you like to join me on the Camino? And well, it was fate really. (laughs) It was destined to happen at some point and that was the year that it happened.
0: How fantastic. One of the reasons that we're talking is because I was interested or very interested to talk to you because your email signature has underneath it a member of OWPG, the Outdoor Writers and Photographers Guild. So tell us about your life outside, your outdoor life. Tell us about that.
1: When I was 50 or so, I had a bit of a health scare and decided that I no longer wanted to spend my life commuting into an office to a job that I really wasn't enjoying particularly. And I decided at that point that I would start devoting my life to adventure and to writing about it and inspiring other people to spend time outdoors and doing the things that they've always wanted to do so i decided this was early 2020 so just before covid spread around the world i handed in my notice from work and decided that my first adventure would be walking the southwest coast path which is a 630 mile path around the southwest coast of england now, that was delayed by a number of months, but I did manage to do it that year. And that's, again, thanks to to Hazel. I, As I say, I'd never met anybody who would walk long distances before or a woman who would do it on her own. And there I was doing exactly that on my own. And since then, I've carried on walking long distance paths. I've cycled King Alfred's Way, which is a 217 mile route around uh, the south of England, around lots of historic and archaeological sites in the south of England. And so I devote as much of my time as I can to being outdoors and doing exciting things outside. But I'm also a writer, so I also spend an awful lot of time at my desk writing books about these adventures of mine, really to inspire other people to have a go themselves, whatever it is that they want to do. I want to help them achieve those dreams.
0: Yeah. One of your books is Live Your Bucket List, Simple Steps to Ignite Your Dreams, Face Your Fears and Lead an Extraordinary Life, Starting Today. What's one thing I ought to do, Julia, if I want to start today to ignite my dreams and face my fears and lead an extraordinary life?
1: The obvious answer to that is read the book, of course. <laughs> beyond, beyond that. Great answer. <laughs> I I tend to find that there are a million and one things that I want to do in my life. I learned long ago that I wasn't going to be able to do everything that I wanted to because life's just too short. So the first step I would say to take is to write down everything that you've always wanted to do so write down your bucket list prioritize it and actually decide on the one thing that you're going to work towards once you've got that buttoned you can then take all of the steps to to plan and to implement your plans and to get out there and do it otherwise it can all just feel a bit overwhelming when you've got you know so many things that you want to do
0: do we ever put things on our bucket list that are simply unachievable Oh, probably. <laughs> then what, but, what do we do about them?
1: Well, first of all, determine whether they're really unachievable. Mm. If you think that you can't do it, is that is it real? Or is that just a perception that you have that you can't do it? Has somebody else done it in the past? Has somebody got close to? Is there some new technology that will help you achieve what you want to achieve. So I would say if there's anything on your bucket list that you think is unachievable, have a look at it. See whether you can break it down into achievable steps. It's like starting on a long car journey at night. You can only see the bit of road in your headlamps ahead. You can't see the whole of the journey. And if you can get to the end of the, the where you can see on the headlamps, there'll be another step that you can see that you can take. Yeah. And if it's really impossible, then leave it on your bucket list, because one day in the future, you might see how you can achieve that thing.
0: Mm. And I guess as well, if you're making sort of small steps toward your greater goal, you ought to really uh, celebrate those little steps, those little achievements
1: absolutely i've got all sorts of silly things that you can do to celebrate in in live your bucket list including things like um when you've when you've achieved one step of the goal to to just lift your arm up and pat yourself on the back and just doing things like that it makes you laugh it gives you a little is it dopamine one of those um One of those things that really just gives you a little boost to say, well done, you've done this and now you can move on to the next thing. So, yes, celebrate your successes as you go. But also, I would say at the end, when you've achieved something that's on your bucket list, don't just move straight on to the next thing, but spend a little bit of time celebrating the fact that, that you have achieved this thing and reflecting, reflecting on what you've learned, what you've contributed, how life has changed or how you want life to change, having pushed your boundaries and achieved this thing that perhaps you thought you never could
0: so if I have a bucket list, how do I decide which one of those dreams I ought to pursue?
1: There's a process that I describe in some detail in the book, which it's a scoring mechanism I'm what can I say love spreadsheets <laughs> <you go>. and <laughs> it, it's a score scoring mechanism so if you think about your your values and the things that are important to you and score each of your bucket list dreams against those, you'll come up with something that looks like it's um, going to be the one for you to take forward next. Now, all sorts of other things come into play. Something might be happening in the world that's stopping you or you might have an opportunity to land on your lap like I did with walking the Camino last summer. So keep your eyes open for opportunity and don't stick rigidly to, to what you're doing. But you can you can filter it down. You can uh, think about the things that absolutely you don't want to do. For example, for my first trip, I decided that I didn't want to be away from my husband for for terribly long. So doing a long distance footpath in the UK meant that he could come and join me for a few days here and there. And I wasn't away from him for months on end. So anything that was on my bucket list then that took me away from home for an awfully long time, I decided to reject for that point in my life. It might be that later on we either do those things together or I'm more comfortable spending more right. time away from him. Right. So you can you can have a look and see what's important to you. And when you when you've got something that you think is the bucket list dream that you want to pursue, I then suggest that you think about how you're going to feel when you've achieved it and how you would feel If you don't pursue that bucket list dream, are you going to be upset and disappointed or actually are you just going to think, hmm, it doesn't really matter? Because if it's the latter and it's difficult to achieve, then what's the point in spending all of that energy trying to get there? If you're excited about it and you think, oh, this is going to be amazing and if I don't do it, I'm going to be so upset with myself, then that's the one to take forward at this point in time.
0: What about if I can't afford it?
1: ah there's a whole chapter in the book about that as well <laughs> if you can't afford it there there are all sorts of things that you might be able to do to bring something within uh, your budget you could perhaps for example thinking about walking the camino you could instead of walking the whole of the frances route you could walk you could walk it in weeks one week a year for example which would bring the costs down because you're not paying for accommodation and what have you for five whole weeks. You might be able to uh, borrow equipment, for example. If you can't afford the backpack to use, you might be able to borrow it. When I cycled King Alfred's Way, one of my friends lent me a bike. In fact, he built me a bike. It was the most amazing mountain bike that I got to ride for a week. It spoilt me forever. (laughs) but i didn't have to go out and spend thousands of pounds on a on a mountain bike. So there might be ways that you can bring the cost down or there might be ways that you can perhaps make extra money or save money in your everyday life to start building up your pot of savings so that you can afford your dream after all.
0: Yeah, right. See, i wonder then, you know, for for someone like me in australia, going every year for a week is simply not achievable. It's even more expensive, obviously. It would make it preposterously expensive. So For the Camino, yes. Yeah, because yes. <laughs> yeah, so, it's so far away. I and mean, we were joking before we started um, that you were in South Wales talking to me and I live in New South Wales. And <laughs> whoever named New South Wales in Australia had no idea what the climate and and uh, and was like, because it's nothing like South Wales, I'm absolutely sure of it. Australians are a long way away. But we yeah. also, we kind of counter that. We, we know that we're a long way away. and We know that it's going to be very expensive. So we, we counter that and we prepare for that. And we are often prepared for that.
1: There might be something that you could do in Australia as well. Maybe you don't have to travel halfway around the world to walk the Camino. I have no idea whether you have pilgrimage routes in Australia, but you might be able to turn some sort of walking route near a home into a bit of a pilgrimage route for yourself mm, without having to travel halfway around the world if you can't afford it or if you don't want to fly because, of course, a lot of people don't like flying these days. There, there are other ways that you can achieve things that perhaps aren't quite exactly what your dream was, but will be similar enough for you to feel like you've really achieved something anyway.
0: Yeah, wow, that's great advice. Oh, I really love that. That's fantastic. Now, you've put together a PDF for people who are thinking of walking the Camino. It's a kind of, it's a kind of guide, and it's a kind of uh, a means to help people get their self, to, their, their their journey together. Uh, in it, you say, we walk to achieve a physical and mental challenge, process grief, maybe rediscover our place in the world. We walk for sheer joy of putting one step in front of another and for the peace and mental clarity you gain on the trail. The Camino, you say, is open to everyone. So why did you decide to put this, this ready reckoner together to help people uh, to help people prepare to get to the Camino?
1: The Camino brings such joy to so many people. It's a really special route. And in fact, walking any pilgrimage, I suspect, is very special, although the Camino is the only one that I've walked so far. And why not help other people to achieve that? I've written a, a full book about my Camino experience, to inspire people to to walk the Camino, but it also gives, the the second section gives a lot of practical advice about what accommodation is like, how to choose the route that you want to take, because we talk about the Camino, but it's actually a whole network of routes across Europe that all lead to Santiago, to Compostela in Northwest Spain. So I've got the book and I've also produced this PDF, which is a, a free PDF that anybody can download from my website, And that's it's two pages of A4 and it has questions on it that you might like to think about if you're preparing for any sort of a pilgrimage, which includes the practical considerations of when you're going to walk and what you need to take with you and things like that. Mm. But it also asks you to think about what's going to make this a pilgrimage for you rather than a, just a long distance walk are there questions that you want to ponder while you're walking or people that you want to think about and hold in your heart while you're walking mm. so it includes the, the the practical and the spiritual i guess
0: yeah so just tell us a little bit about that how do i make it special how do i make it a little more spiritual than just a long walk
1: the british pilgrimage trust is a charity here in the uk and they have defined pilgrimage as it's something like a a, a walk with uh, an intention to a special place mm. so the it's not necessarily a religious walker most of the people who walk the camino in fact are not walking for purely religious reasons and a lot of people aren't walking for any religious reasons. But that's not to say that you can't turn it into a pilgrimage anyway, a time for uh, reflection on the world or on yourself, perhaps how you fit into things. As I've said, lots of people walk to process grief and to think about their loved ones who are no longer with them. A lot of people find themselves at a crossroads in their life. And walking has this, this power, just walking day after day, gives you that clarity of thought, clears all of the daily clutter and busyness that we normally have in our lives out of the way so that we can think about what we need to think about. To some extent, you can do that with any walk and to set an intention before you go. So to think about some of those questions. Um, What is it I love about my life? What is it I love about myself? What do I find difficult about the people I spend time with? And do I need to do something about that? There are all sorts of these questions that you can just put in your mind or maybe write in your notebook before you start walking. And you may well receive clarity on some of those answers as, as you walk.
0: Yeah. And sometimes it's good not to have the answers, isn't it? Oh, now then,
1: (laughs) there's a question. Possibly, yes, to have some mystery still in your life.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because I know that um, when I perhaps pose a question to myself and think I don't know the answer to that question, that going for a walk helps me find the answer. Walking is a good way to... Slowly consider what I need to consider in order to reach that decision that I ultimately will either make or not make, or or decide or not decide. Walking's a good way, isn't it? What do you What do you write about walking and and the slow meditation of one step in front of the other of pilgrimage?
1: In my books, I. I I talk about my experience of it because that's what I know about. I also in fact in the walking the camino my book about the, the the camino gave my camino family. So you you generally you seem to start walking in small groups with you know with a friend or on your own when you walk the camino and gradually accumulate friends who you walk with or stay with or meet up in in the evenings or for lunch or what have you. And you accumulate this uh, Camino family, as I think of them. And I asked my Camino family to also write short sections in my book about their experience because it would be different to mine. So what benefits did they get from putting one foot in front of the other every day? Now, for me, there's just a simplicity that everything else falls away. You've got everything you need on your back. And all you need to do is walk until you reach your next destination. Make sure you eat and drink, sleep, get up in the morning and do the same thing again. Now, when I was 20, I would have thought that sounded really boring. But actually, it's fantastic because you can look at the the, the countryside. You can enjoy the wildlife. You can have these when you're on a pilgrimage, you seem to. It seems to open up people's hearts to deep and meaningful conversations. And you can let all of that happen without the noise of everyday life getting in the way.
0: Yeah, everyday life getting in the way. I really like that. You know, the the new book comes out in just a couple of weeks, mid-April, is it, Julia, I think? It is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, What's it called?
1: It's called Walking the Camino
0: right and
1: sorry it does have a subtitle a journey for the heart and soul
0: (laughs) a journey for the heart and soul and you you mentioned people like sarah Duma, whom i've spoken to here there's also information about the confraternity of saint james i've spoken to uh, members of the 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 confraternity and indeed johnny walker santiago himself you talk about the british pilgrimage trust and i've interviewed people from there as well Uh, there's all sorts of resources in there but what do you hope mostly to achieve with Walking the Camino, the new book coming out in a couple of weeks' time.
1: I hope that I'll inspire people to think about their lives. Maybe I'll inspire them to walk the Camino as well, but both of those things. I think the book will appeal to people who like to read about and think about other people doing these things, even if they're not going to themselves. And also to those people who are thinking of walking the Camino or any other pilgrimage. Because it'll give them an idea about what to expect, what sort of adventures you might have on the way. Because it's not all plain sailing. You walk for a month or five weeks or what have you. And it's not, everything's not going to go right the the whole time. So, of course, you have these mini adventures on the way and the people you meet and what have you. So, it's a great story. And I hope that inspires other people to Put one foot in, in front of the other for themselves and also to spend a bit of time reflecting about their lives, maybe their relationship to God, maybe their relationship to the rest of the world.
0: Wow, that's great. That's great. So here we are. Let's let's go back a little while ago and, and you deciding to go off on this life of adventure and stop commuting into a job that you didn't really enjoy. How's it all going? This new life?
1: Oh, it's fabulous, <laughs> apart from how many hours I spend at my desk writing. But I love the writing process as well, so I can't really complain about that. It, for me, has opened up new horizons. It's reminded me that I can do things that I don't think didn't think I could do. And every time I go off and spend extended periods outside doing these adventures, it reminds me of... Those things. There's always something that I think I can't do, whether it's cycling to the top of a hill, or uh, managing when I'm injured, or what have you. And you have to deal with these things as you go along. And I find that's a real confidence booster. Yeah. Uh, to to be able to do those things. So, yes, it, it's fabulous, and I would heartily recommend anybody spending as much time outside doing adventurous things as as they can fit into their lives.
0: How fantastic, and, and you truly are an inspiration. One of the things that I found when I was doing my research is this kept coming up about Julia and a jellyfish. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Come, come on, tell us that story.
1: That, that one's never going to go away, but that's perfectly all right. <laughs> Julia, the jellyfish. I had planned, as I say, that I was going to walk the southwest coast path. And I planned that I would do it in the late spring and early summer of 2020. Now, here in the UK, we were locked down. We weren't allowed to go away and stay away. We had an hour a day when we could go out and exercise in, in the outside. Other than that, we were to stay at home. During that period, I spent my hour a day walking and then it it was extended in time, but we still weren't allowed to, to go away. I spent that period walking on the Malvern Hills. I am a great one for looking for the silver lining in any situation and seeing what good can come out of it. I had planned to walk the southwest coast path to raise money for the Marine Conservation Society here in the UK, and I'd planned to do it dressed as a jellyfish. Now, I couldn't do that because I wasn't allowed to go down to the southwest, so I walked on my local hills dressed as a jellyfish instead, and it caused quite a stir. because I spent the whole of that summer when we weren't allowed to go anywhere else, training, it it was training walks for the southwest coast path, but also, you know, talking to people about marine conservation and looking after our planet and um, wearing this ridiculous jellyfish costume, (laughs) which is really good fun. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it
0: is. It is. The pictures are fantastic. But the environment's very important to you, isn't it?
1: It is, yes. I am an environmentalist as well as an adventurer and writer, Because this is our world. It's such a special place. It brings such joy to so many people. Not just joy, but it gives us a home. It gives us food and all of those things, essentials that we need for life. And we are systematically and consistently spoiling this world, our home that we live in. So it's really important to me in everything I do to just remind people about how important this place is how important it is to us to breathe clean air to have clean water in our oceans to have habitats that uh, baby fish can live in so that we have fish stocks that we can then eat if we if that's what we want to do rather than just depleting the world's resources so i like to have the opportunity to talk about these things whenever i can again in the hope that people just make small changes to their lives, maybe uh, talk to their uh, politicians and encourage them or talk to co- corporations or take it into work and encourage uh, more action to protect this amazing world of ours.
0: Yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think that's wonderful and it's a message that we, my generation ought to be absolutely screaming from the rooftops because I want my children and grandchildren to say hey dad granddad you guys were the ones who made the change and you guys were the ones who made the sacrifices you guys were the ones that changed everything um but I just sadly feel like my generation's not going to be that generation and I will
1: oh I really hope you're wrong there Dan. well I do I do <laughs> I really
0: do hope I'm wrong I, I'd love to be wrong I just hope that we can I really do. I really do.
1: I think that's that's a wonder, it's a wonderful thought that it it was our generation that solved this problem. It was yeah. our generation that turned it around. That is just fabulous. I I suspect I'm somewhat older than you, and I'm afraid I'm part of the generation that caused the problem. But to think that that that's such a positive message. I love it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'd love to be able to say. Um, I did my bit. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've in the course of my research, I was on your website and I found in amongst the resources that you've done, it's a great website, by the way. Um, there's some really great information there, juliags.com, juliags.com. And there are 17 essential tips for walking the Camino de Santiago. Let's just go through a couple. One that I really found fascinating was that You say, take time to reflect and adjust on your return. And we've talked about this many times on this podcast before, that your Camino starts in Santiago de Compostela. But you say, if the Camino has been a spiritual journey for you, rather than just a long distance walk, it'll be difficult to slot straight back into your normal life when you arrive home. Amen to that. Well, make sure you say, to carve out some time for further reflection. And this is what I found really fascinating. It can be hard on those people close to you when you return. They will have missed you and want to spend time with you. And they might find it difficult to accept the changes you want to make to your life. Be gentle with each other and give yourselves time to adjust. I really like that. Take time to reflect and adjust on your return.
1: I think that's so important. The Camino means so much to people. And when you arrive home, you've had weeks often away from that busyness of everyday life. And it can hit you when you get home, all of those things come flooding back in. But actually you want to take what you've learned, take what you have felt, take those changes inside yourself and make sure that you find a way to, to, to bring that forwards with you in, in your life. And if you allow all of that busyness to just crush you again as soon as you get back, then you won't gain all of those benefits. And I think that is really hard for the people that, that are at home who, who've who got you back and they they want to spend lots of time with you because they've missed you. And they might, you know, they would have liked you how you were and here you are wanting to make changes to make mm. things different. Yeah. And so, yes, I I think we just need to be aware of that and talk to each other and make sure that we have some reflection space as well built into our our lives when we get back.
0: Yeah. And I like the take the time to adjust. You're going to Mm. be different. You're going to feel differently, aren't you?
1: Absolutely. Yes. And... (laughs) I, for To me, these things just they, they just take time. You have to give yourself time and space to make those changes that you want to, to make and to reinforce them, I guess. You, you, you can make decisions, you can um, feel different when you're away from home and you need to strengthen that and reinforce it when you get home to to make that fit into your normal life. Because walking on the Camino isn't your normal life. You're stepping out of it for a while. Yeah. When you step back in, you want to, to, to maintain those benefits.
0: Yeah, the benefits. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Other tips uh, on Julia's website. Again, juliags.com. And these are the 17 essential tips for walking the Camino. Talk to fellow pilgrims. I love that. That's so important to live and learn and and experience and and take others guidance and 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 their stories with you um you say consider the camino as much more than just a long distance walk and you say tip number 14 remember this is your camino you say walking your own camino walking too far or too fast is more likely to cause injury we saw you say lots of strapped knees and legs covered in physio tape. and you say in that note this is a pilgrimage not a penance take us through that
1: I think in the past, probably pilgrimage, from what I've read, pilgrimage probably was a bit of a penance. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be today. If you want to gain all of those sort of spiritual benefits of the pilgrimage, you don't necessarily have to put yourself through hell to get there. If you want to walk 10 kilometers a day, walk 10 kilometers a day. If you want to walk 30, that's great. Walk 30. We found that walking from 20 to 25 kilometres a day worked well for us in the conditions that that we were walking in. If you want to walk fast, that's great if it works well for you. But if you don't and you try to walk fast, you're likely to injure yourself. So just make it work for you, really, is, is what I want to say, because... There are lots of different ways to walk the Camino. And some people will say, oh, if you don't do it in X amount of time, then you haven't done it properly. Or if you don't carry the whole rucksack with you the whole time, then you haven't done it properly. That's absolute nonsense. It's your Camino. You do what's right for you on the Camino and what you need to do, whether that's walking fast, carrying a lot of weight, uh, light weighting and sending your pack ahead every day. It's, It's all... Legitimate, there's nothing wrong with any of those options, so make it work for you.
0: Yeah, tip number twelve is consider your diet.
1: Mm. yes, actually, I wrote that list before I walked the Camino a second time in the winter, and that became even more important when When you're walking, you use a lot more of everything, so you use more energy, you need more calories. Mm. But you also use more of the, the minerals and what have you and the vitamins and you need to take all of those in. And I was very conscious when I was walking my summer Camino on the French route that I was actually eating a pretty good diet. I was getting lots of salads and vegetables and what have you and and a, and a bit of meat and it, it it came together really well. But I did still take iron tablets because I found in the past that I suffer from iron deficiency anemia if I walk hard and don't take the iron tablets and that just makes you exhausted and very ill so I took iron tablets on the winter camino I was expecting that I would have as good a diet again as I was walking right but in actual fact because a lot of places were closed there weren't many pilgrims around it was a different route I was walking the Portuguese route and we essentially only had access to seafood every day I mean it's in Galicia, which is where um, the, uh, Santiago is, it has the most beautiful seafood if you eat seafood. Yeah. But we ended up eating seafood every day and there were very few vegetables in with it. It was just um, squid and bread basically every day. And I really felt like I was depleting my reserves of all of those vitamins and minerals that you need that aren't found in that one foodstuff. So just think about these things before you go. You might want to take a a supplement with you when you wouldn't normally take a supplement. And just keep an eye out when you're walking for all of those good things to, to give your body the fuel that you're going to need to do the walking.
0: Why should I learn some Spanish before I go? Tip number 11.
1: Ah, not everybody speaks English. And that's really, that's really the crux. <laughs> and indeed, why should they have to speak English? We're in their country. So I, I learned some Spanish before going. As I say, I wasn't expecting to walk on the Camino. Another trip fell through. Luckily for me, that trip was to Costa Rica. So I'd been learning Spanish for that trip. And it meant that when I arrived in Spain for the Camino even on the train um, out to to join my friend who was walking it, I managed to have a conversation with the conductor and it turns out that he has a a holiday home on the Northern route um, on the coast. And we actually managed to have a conversation, albeit stilted in Spanish. And people really appreciate it when you can scrabble together enough words to be able to talk to them. And as I say, sometimes it's, well, it's, I suppose these days it's not essential because you can use Google Translate. But it's re- I, I really like just being able to have a bit of conversation with the people um, whose country you're visiting.
0: Yeah, and I think also if you have a go, they they appreciate it. Um, I, I've got the worst yes. Spanish in the world. And I'm like number one worst Spanish speaker, but at least I have a crack. And they often say, yes. oh, well, you know, I appreciate you trying, but I don't understand anything you're saying. Uh,
1: Yeah, I think we'll talk in English.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, why should I... Tip number one is train. Why should I train?
1: It just makes it more enjoyable. If you turn up onto your Camino and you're walking fit already, you're not likely to injure yourself as much. Your body isn't going to ache as much. And you're going to have more time to enjoy the experience and to think about things other than, oh my goodness, my feet hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I think I, I, because I was training for a different trip, I was training with a heavier bag than I was expecting, uh, than I used on the Camino, and I was walking uh, quite long distances in my training. So when I arrived on the Camino with my super lightweight pack, I was bouncing around, and it was it was just fabulous and some of my Camino family had much heavier packs so one of my tips is to keep your pack weight uh, low but also if you if you train it's just it's just easier (laughs) it just doesn't hurt as much you're less likely to injure yourself and have to strap yourself up and if you're walking the Francaise route as well the French route it starts I did I didn't walk the whole of the route but it starts at Saint-Jean-Piade-de-Port, and that's in France. And the first two days basically are all uphill, I believe, up and over the Pyrenees. Yep. So they are punishing. And for a lot of people, that's a really difficult way to start their Camino. So I would say get yourself hill fit if you if you can. If you can't, then plan for short days to start off with until your body gets used to carrying the weight and just walking day after day.
0: Yeah, the first couple of days of the Frances are particularly challenging, but it's absolutely beautiful. It's really worth doing. Mm. I certainly wouldn't skip it because it's difficulty. I would simply do some miles before I go. If, I, if I'm going to be walking 25 kilometres a day, let's say I aim that's my goal on the Camino Frances, how far should I be able to walk comfortably before I go?
1: I tend to work on about 16 kilometres, 10 miles a day. Right with with my weighted pack um I don't know whether that's the right answer but it seems to work for me that if I can walk a number of 10 mile days you know a couple of 10 mile days over a weekend beforehand if I've got myself fit enough to do that with with my weighted rucksack on Mm. then I'll be fine it'll be harder work when you get out there and and walk the Camino but it won't be um too punishing
0: (laughs) yeah yeah well it's it's I mean, if if you're crazy enough to um, to not do any training, then you're inviting the prospect of blisters. First of all, um, mm. secondly, it's dangerous walking the Pyrenees. You really need to have a certain level of fitness so that you can be agile enough to to negotiate the, the difficult terrain. It's not safe. it's, yeah. it's dangerous and. And you really need to have done that bit of research. I, I don't actually know of anybody who's just turned up without doing any training. But certainly, I would be suggesting that you you get out and walk, even if for no other reason. Uh, you can go with the confidence that you know that you can punch out twenty k's. That you know, yeah. you, you're confident that you can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's one of the one of the. Uh, subjects of the new book is Divine Intervention. Tell us about Divine Intervention.
1: As I've mentioned, I had another trip booked. I was planning to go to Costa Rica to do some volunteering over there and the organisation that I was volunteering with uh, went into administration and the trip was cancelled. Oh. And I had I'd toyed with the idea of walking the Camino. It was since that since the the day when Hazel came back and was was so excited about her trip and so pleased with it all of those years ago, I'd been interested in the idea of pilgrimage and the Camino. I wasn't sure whether I wanted to walk a route that had so many people walking it right. So I'd never actually made the decision to walk the Camino, but it had sat there in my mind. as as a potential, as something I wanted to experience pilgrimage, and maybe this is the one to experience first. And so maybe it was Divine Intervention that cancelled my trip to Costa Rica and gave me the opportunity to walk the Camino this summer because Hazel already had the trip planned. She asked me if I wanted to come along and all I needed to do was turn up and join them. (laughs) So it was... It was perfect.
0: Yeah, it was divine intervention. There you are. You see, I think that when we open ourselves to the possibility of divine intervention, it makes it so much easier for it to happen. And you talked about one of the other uh, tips in your 17 tips for uh, for walking the Camino on your website. You talk about walking and talking to other pilgrims. That's very important, isn't it? It enables you and, and helps you to share your journey with others.
1: It does. And some of the the, some of the other pilgrims that I met on my Camino, on my Caminos, because I walked one in the summer and one in the winter, as I say, have made a real difference to my life. As I say, there's something about being on the Camino that opens up hearts and minds and you have conversations that you just wouldn't normally have with people. Because a lot of people who are walking the Camino are walking it for a reason that isn't just long distance walking. So you have these conversations, you help each other process whatever it is that you need to process, and it's joyous. Having said that, some of the people, some of the pilgrims that I met are just long distance walkers. And even the you know the conversations with those were fabulous as well because they share good practice and hints and tips and paths that you might want to walk and um, you learn about some of the equipment that they do or don't carry and why and mm. so even for the, for the non-spiritual aspect of it it's just fabulous talking to all of these people and i'm i'm really strongly introverted so that's why i was a bit concerned about the number of people who walk the camino and whether it was the right route for me but I'm also quite sociable. So having all of these people to talk to was actually just fabulous. And then I'd go and hide away for a bit. So I'd maybe go to bed a little bit earlier than everybody else in the evening or sit on on my bunk in the afternoon and write up my notes from the day and just spend some time on my own recharging before going back into company with other people. But uh, yes, the, the people really make it uh, special. Uh, experience.
0: Yeah so what did you or what have you learned about yourself in the process of this discovery because it's only a few years ago that you decided to take a different path in life a very brave decision in many ways what have you learned about yourself not only just on the Camino but this pilgrimage of change that you've undertaken?
1: Something that I've learned that i didn't realize until i completed my second camino i don't think that was when i felt like the camino was was done for me you know i I'd, I'd finished i may well be called back to it in the future but having having walked to it felt felt like okay that's that's fine it's complete and one of the things that i realized i i'd, I'd learnt which i it feels a bit stupid feel, feeling the need to learn it again But this idea that that confidence isn't something that you just have, it waxes and wanes. And to do things that boost your confidence and to keep on doing things that push your boundaries and boost your confidence and remind you that you can do things that perhaps you didn't think you could is really helpful because otherwise, you know, you've done something like I walked the southwest coast path solo and I knew I could wild camp because I'd done it for the first time ever I knew I could solo hike because I'd done it for the first time ever I could make decisions on my own because I didn't have anybody else to refer to and and, and I had to it really boosted my confidence but over time I think that drops off or it certainly does for me it, it drops off and so you need to carry on reminding yourself and doing things that, that bring it back up to the level that you want it at and wow. one of the things for from the from the camino was the fact that i gained i gained a trail name which i hadn't expected because i've never really had nicknames i'm not the sort of person that people feel the need to give nicknames to <laughs> and and i gained the trail name of of Snow Light. and the reason that i was given this trail name was because I tend to bounce around the place, and 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 I love pointing out the birds that I'm seeing, and the trees, and the landscapes, and the sky, and the sun, and sunflower. And I'm just loving everything that, that that I see. And apparently, Snow White does exactly the same thing. She opens her windows in the morning and greets the day and the birds and what have you. So that's that's the sort of Snow White element of it. And then. The, the, the light part is that I knew the weight of everything in my rucksack because I wanted it to be as comfortable a Camino as I, I could have within the, the, the boundaries of what I was doing. So I didn't want to carry extra weight with me. And for me, that became really important for me as a writer as well, to think of myself as snow light. I love that persona. It fits me really well. The idea of spreading that joy, that inspiration, the the love of life, and yet also having that technical side of things of helping people to achieve their own dreams and and getting into some of the the detail of what you need to know to to get things done. So for me, learn you know getting that trail name and thinking about what it meant to me and how closely it fitted me was just fantastic and made me realize as a writer that that's a really good angle for me to take on the things that I write because it is me.
0: (laughs) Snowlight.
1: Snowlight. That's
0: great. Yeah. No, I really enjoyed (laughs) reading that part of the book. It's interesting the way you write about it is that you're so welcome to taking on that persona, aren't you? I am. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know you're really happy with it. I think it's fabulous, yeah. Tell us about reaching Santiago.
1: That's interesting because I'm not religious. I'm not a Catholic. And I on the summer Camino, I was a bit disappointed to reach Santiago because I could have walked for weeks longer <laughs> because I love the, the walking and I was enjoying the experience so much. And I, I got to Santiago and I got my certificate and – Quite often, I find, actually, at the end of a, an, an adventure, it's slightly disappointing. You've achieved what you wanted to achieve and you should be so happy. And, and some, a part of you is, but a part of you is just disappointed that the adventure is over. And we went by bus over to Finisterre and spent a couple of days there before flying back. But to me, it it didn't quite feel complete. And when my husband suggested that we walked the Portuguese route or some of the Portuguese route at, at Christmas, that felt right and again when we came into Santiago to us it didn't quite feel like the end of the pilgrimage and we went out to Finisterre and Mushia, uh, two towns on the coast where they have a, a zero kilometre way marker at both of them and lots of pilgrims walk on as I'm sure a lot of your listeners know to, to these towns we didn't walk on, we hired a car and went there. But for me, standing at the edge of the land and the sea by the elements, hearing the waves booming onto the rocks at Mushia, feeling the power of nature, and at Finisterre, feeling the wind gusting around us and looking out to the, to the ocean ahead, it felt like completion. That felt to me. That was when I reached my Camino destination rather than when I walked into Santiago and saw the cathedral. I guess it's different for everybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're certainly not alone in that sentiment, I think. You're not alone. And, and I think that's, that's probably as a result of all of those pilgrims who walked, not to Santiago, but walked to the end of the earth to the end of Mm. the world for centuries Um, and I think that's why there is a great allure a great contact and 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 drawing to that site because that's so many millions of souls have walked
1: it's funny isn't it because officially the pilgrimage is to the cathedral at Santiago and yet historically as you say and now hundreds of thousands, millions of pilgrims yeah. have walked that extra distance out to the sea, to the edge of the world yeah. to finish off their pilgrimage.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, look, Julia, it's been absolutely delightful to talk to you, to spend this last hour with you. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. There's a little piece in the book I've, I've highlighted uh, that says, I am Snowlight. What a perfect trail name. I want to share my excitement about life, wildlife, landscapes, and friendship. And I want to share practical tips and knowledge to help other people feel the same way. Snowlight is a gift I can give to the world. Some will like that gift, some will not. So be it. I thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and for sharing some of that wisdom, some of that excitement about life, wildlife, landscapes and friendship good luck on the book it's out in a couple of weeks time give us the title one more time
1: thank you dan it's walking the camino a journey for the heart and soul and you'll be able to pre-order it or order it once uh, once it's out at uh, www.juliags.com forward slash camino
0: there you are fantastic thank you julia thank you for taking the time to talk thank to you, me dan buen camino
1: buen camino
0: That was the British pilgrim, adventurer and writer, Julia Goodfellow-Smith. You can find her via juliags.com. It's that easy. A very special shout out to my new Patreon sponsors, Hella and Richard. Thank you for your kindness. And you can sponsor the podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. The entrepreneur and motivational speaker, Michael Altshuler said, the bad news is time flies. The good news is you're the pilot. Have a great week everyone. Walk on. Until next Tuesday, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino.